Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Wednesday, June 30th, 2021. This is Shannon, and today I'm here with Stacy and Natalia, and we are revisiting one of our popular episodes from last year. So we are hanging out with road trip books because road trip books are fabulous. Stacy and I had a discussion last night about whether dark and tortured heroes went on road trips, and I don't know that we ever um, really came up with an answer to that. But when I think about road trips, I don't usually think of like tortured heroes. So I'm interested in people's opinions. Are road trips for tortured heroes? So I'm going to dive into the housekeeping information. Then I will get us started, followed by Stacy, And lastly, Natalia. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. So my first book tonight is a throwback to 2014. It is a book that I read right before it came out, and I fell in love with it all those years ago. And periodically I think about it and I've always thought, oh, I really need to find a way to talk about it on the podcast. And so it is here. Natalia wanted to talk about a companion novel to this one, um, but I I very firmly told her that that could not happen, um, that she could chime in here um, and mention it if, if she wanted to, but that she couldn't take this book away from me. So this is Song of the Fireflies by J.A. Redmersky. And before I get too into this, I want to give a content warning for discussion of suicide um, and sort of a flashback to a failed suicide attempt on the page. So this is kind of a dark book. Like if you go back to my question about dark and tortured heroes going on road trips, we have a dark and tortured heroine on a road trip, but it's not a very nice road trip. So this is the story of Elias and Braille. And they have been friends since they were like eight and nine years old. And they have this very deep friendship where in so many ways, like Elias is Braille's family, even though she has a parent, you know, she has her parents and her sister, her family doesn't really understand her. And so in a lot of ways, Elias is really the only person she has. They grow up and they kind of toy with the idea of actually starting a relationship, but they're never sure that that's really like the best thing for them to do. And then when they are 25 and 26 years old, they do decide that actually no one could suit them better than like each other. So they embark on this relationship. And in a lot of ways, this is great until something very bad happens. They go to a party one night by a river and something tragic occurs. And I I won't tell you what, but it is very bad. And so all of a sudden, Brielle is determined that she has to run. Like she can't go to the police. She can't like wait to see what happens. She's just out of there. And because Elias has promised her that, you know, anywhere she goes, he would go too. He runs with her, even though he knows that this is not the best idea. And so begins 
a journey that is pretty much doomed from the start. Um, they, they don't really have much of a plan. They're not sure where they're going to go, how they're going to survive. And so they just kind of take it like minute by minute. And as you might imagine, this doesn't really go well for them. So we're, we're watching this trip kind of implode, but we're also watching this really deep bond between these two characters where Elias knows that Brielle is not, is not safe. You know, she, she's not stable. He comes to really understand that for most of the time that he's known her, she has been dealing with some pretty serious mental health issues that she's never really talked to him about. And so he has kind of some soul searching to do and he has to decide whether he can stay by her side throughout sort of the chaos that she brings to her life and therefore to his. Um, it is just such a beautiful story of what it means to really unflinchingly love someone regardless of their flaws or their difficulties. Um, it, it shows that sometimes we don't always make the best decisions when we're in love, even if our intentions are the best. Um, I just really love this book. I read it again in sort of preparation for this episode. I really wanted to see if I would love it just as much the second time, and I absolutely do. So this is Song of the Fireflies by J.A. Redmersky. And if you've read The Edge of Never, which is the book that Natalia loves, you can uh, catch a glimpse of Cameron from that book in this book. She has a little cameo appearance here. So Shannon prefaced this episode by mentioning the dearth of tortured heroes in road trip novels. And I have to just say that had I not already discussed it in an episode a year ago, I would have been talking to you about The Hard Truth About Sunshine by Sawyer Bennett, which oh, has yes. a tortured hero going on a road trip. And it's a gorgeous book and it's just great character evolution. And I loved it so much, but I'm not gonna talk about that. However, the hero in A Week to Be Wicked Bindle Cove book two by Tessa Dare is flawed, is sort of damaged. And there is in fact a road trip. For you Excellent. see, Minerva Highwood has a bit of a problem. She's bookish. She wears spectacles. She's kind of clumsy. And nobody in the town of Spindle Cove thinks that Miss Minerva Highwood will be making a decent match. Oh. However, she has two beautiful sisters named Diana and Charlotte. And Diana, her mother would like to soon see affianced to Colin Lord Penn. Lord Penn is a bit of a rogue. And Minerva is positive he is not good enough for her sister Diana. And so she, inter she intercedes and proposes a very, very scandalous, scandalous plan. The two of them will go on a trip to Scotland together so she can speak at a geological symposium. Oh. And he can get out of Spindle Cove because he doesn't like it there. Well, Colin thinks she's silly at first. But then as he thinks more about her plan and as circumstances sort of unfold, he sort of feels as though he needs to accompany her on her quest to Scotland. So they pose as many things throughout this journey as sister and brother, as people in love. They tell all these wild stories. They ride in a tiny carriage. They get held up by highwaymen on the road. Ooh. It's just this very dramatic, dramatic adventure where you're left wondering daily, will they make it to Scotland or will they just never make it there? And every night they end up sharing a bed 
because that is one of Colin's conditions for accompanying Minerva on this trip. And throughout their time- It's a terrible condition. It's a wonderful condition if you're reading a romance. Well, yes, but I mean- There are reasons. Well, no, like, I mean, seriously, nothing more than just sharing a bed and sleeping together. He has insomnia and does not uh, sleep well alone. And so if they are to travel together, this is his condition. And so obviously, you know, it's one of those forced proximity tropes. And obviously, you know, sort of strained, you know, company becomes more of a liking, stronger acquaintance happens. And then attraction sort of bursts onto the scene. And they have a week to decide if sharing their deepest secrets and their nightmares and their fears and all of their insecurities with each other, along with this amazing adventure that helps Minerva to come out of her shell and to discover that she actually is an amazing woman in her own right, not sort of like the, you know, low note to all of her sister's shenanigans. They have one week to decide, is there a way for this to become a lasting relationship? And full disclosure, this is my first Tessa Dare. And I don't know why I haven't read her before. I don't have any reason. I just, I don't read a lot of British historicals. And that was probably the worst of the British accents I've ever done. It sort of sounded like something that wasn't British, but I don't read a lot of the British historical romances because I don't like the ballrooms and the potted palms, but there's not one ballroom to be seen in this entire book. And I will read more of her writing. Um, Her writing is a little lighter than I typically enjoy. Um, And I think I felt as though the, um, the physical aspect of the story, I like a little bit more of a slow burn. But besides that, it was a wonderful story. Lots of research about geology and rocks and discoveries. Um, I love that this book was about a woman who sort of, as she's going on this road trip, it's also sort of a trip of self-discovery and a way for her to gain confidence in herself and for a sort of broken man to find some redemption and some peace of his own. So this again is... A Week to be Wicked, Spindle Cove, book two by Tessa Dare. Stacey, I have the perfect Tessa Dare for you. It is Which one? Duchess, it is the Duchess Deal. <gasps> I love is the that Duchess the one, Deal. Is that the one with the animals and he moves in next door? Is that the Duchess Deal? No. Um, no. Okay. Which no. one's the Duchess Deal then? <laughs> it's the Duchess Deal. The Duchess Deal. Is like this, this woman, she's a seamstress. And she's commissioned to make this wedding gown, but the, the marriage doesn't actually happen. So she dresses up in the gown and she goes to the house of the Duke, whose fiance was supposed to wear this dress. And she wants him to pay her for her work. And he says, no, he doesn't want to do that. He has a different idea. Actually, he wants to marry her because it's like a marriage of convenience kind of thing. And he is very, very scarred from fighting Woo! in the Napoleon. Yes. It's really awesome. Napoleonic I loved War. it. And then the second one is called <clears throat> The Governess. What is it? The Governess Game. Game. Yeah. So, I love those. So my first road trip book of today, I feel like I'm feeling kind of philosophical because a lot of my road trip books are very... Um, much self more self-discovery than anything else like they're they are definitely a road trip but you know how there are books that are very casually road trip where they stop you know every five seconds and meet new people and stuff um this is not that book but it's an amazing book it's called harvesting the heart by jody picot now this is my all-time favorite favorite Jodi Picoult book. I read it for the first time when I was 16 and I adored it. And then I read it after I had a child and I loved it even more. Um, Because as you can guess, this is a very deep examination of motherhood. And um, this book is about Paige and Paige goes on road trips a lot. (laughs) So when we start the book, she has run away from her hometown, run away from her father. I mean, he knows she left, but you know, she just completely left with dreams of uh, going to art school 
and she ends up meeting this young doctor named Nicholas and she marries him. Um, you know, she's kind of a little lost and uh, doesn't really know what to do with her life since her mother abandoned her when she was five. And it, it seems like it has really shaped her in this way. And, and then at one point um, in her marriage, she gets pregnant and has a young child. But um, her postpartum, I guess maybe she had post, I would say maybe she had postpartum depression. And sometimes after you have a child, you fixate on something that really affected you in your childhood. I mean, one, after you have a baby, that's when you think about everything that happened in your childhood, good, bad, ugly, just everything. It all comes back, even stuff you didn't even know you remembered. And for her, since the absence of her mother has shaped her so much, of course, this is the most prevalent in her mind as she's learning to be a mother. And it forces her to, I guess, re-examine and think about whether she's able to bring joy or meaning to her life. She's got a couple things that she chose to do in her past that she's also ashamed of. So what does Paige do one day? Well, she drops her baby off with her in-laws, leaves a note, and goes on a road trip to find her mother, to see if she can find her mother and figure out why she left. And um, in this road trip, she makes some stops along the way um, that I'm not going to reveal about her uh, to deal with these memories that I mentioned before in her past and she figures out what it is that she wants out of life and I guess gets as much closure as you can when your mother abandons you so this is harvesting the heart and I don't think I did it justice but God, it is such such an incredible poignant exploration of what it means to be a mother what it means to be a woman how the choices your parents make are can be choices you carry with you for your the whole of your life. It's great, and also um, I love how it talks. How this has nothing to do with her road trip, but just you know uh, her young doctor husband having to stop working as hard and actually be a father and take care of his child and um, think about how lonely his wife was because he was so devoted to his work and not enough to his family. So this is Harvesting the Heart by Jodi Picot. Please pick it up. You will not regret it. I feel like it's always very hard to give like a brief and accurate summary of a Jodi Picot book. Yeah, yeah. You always ramble because it's all her books, they cover so many topics at once and they're, they interconnect. To do kind still of. A lot of topics. Yes. She is a really talented writer. Even if I don't love everything she writes, I think she always has really stellar ideas that she's not afraid to delve pretty deeply into. How about the apocalypse? Yes. Right. The, the apocalypse you know I is, love the apocalypse. <laughs> yes. The apocalypse is a great time to have a road trip. If you can call the apocalypse a great time, like to do anything. Well, that's usually when people have a road trip, because unfortunately true. You're, not where you're, supposed, you're never where you're supposed to be when the apocalypse starts. No, so you have to get there. <laughs> so and if you I are, want you have to escape. <laughs> you do have to, because like bad things have happened where you're supposed to be, and so you have to depart rapidly. Right, right. <laughs> So I'm going to talk about a trilogy that has been on my radar for quite a long time and just I never actually got around to reading it until I started preparing for this episode. So this is the Off the Grid series no. by Alyssa Cole. And the first book is called Radio Silence. And this is sort of a different take on the apocalypse there are no zombies um there's something that sort of feels like an electromagnetic pulse but is uh termed a solar flare and so it it's structured a little bit differently than some of the other post-apocalyptic books that i've read i have to say that as a rule this genre is heavily populated by straight white able-bodied people. And while this 
series does not explore disability and how that would affect your survival if the world were to end. It does take a really nice look at race and sexual orientation. So I am I'm overall like really pleased with it for kind of going outside the usual lines of the post-apocalyptic genre. So in the first book, we are introduced to Arden. And Arden was, she's done with grad school and she's just kind of living her life. She has a roommate who has become her best friend and she doesn't have a great relationship with her parents, but neither is it terrible. She just kind of keeps her distance and that, that's okay, she figures. So when all of a sudden technology just stops working, there's no electricity, cars don't work, um, there's just no way to do anything that requires any kind of technology or like, you know, mechanical things. She knows that it is not a good idea to stay in her apartment. So she and her best friend, John, set out for his family's cabin, which is up like in New York toward the Canadian border. So they have quite a ways to go. Now they can't drive, which is a little bit different from a lot of the post-apocalyptic novels because you always see people like stealing cars and siphoning gas, but there are no cars that are working here. And so they are heading on foot all of these miles. And they are ambushed not too far from their destination. And John's older brother is able to kind of sweep in and save the day. And this is where sort of the, the first romance angle is born. Because Gabriel, who is John's brother and a doctor, and Arden have some sparks between them. They don't like each other necessarily but they are attracted to one another. And so this, of course, creates some tension. But we also get to see John and kind of how he deals with life in the apocalypse as a gay man, um, a gay man who is really feeling kind of adrift. Like he's not, he doesn't feel necessary to his family's survival. He's not a doctor. He doesn't know like a ton of things about farming. He just sort of thinks like, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't have a, a niche here. And so he sets off on a journey of his own with a stranger who happens upon um, his family's cabin. And there's just this really nice romantic arc for John and Mikhail. Um, the third book in the series focuses on John's younger sister, Maggie. And I would say the third one is probably my least favorite in terms of the romance. But in terms of just the apocalypse itself and the way Cole has built this world, I really enjoyed a lot of things about this book. It's not the super fast paced, like high drama that you get from like a zombie book, which is kind of what I turn to when I'm looking for something post-apocalyptic. And yet it's very, very compelling. Like you start reading it and even though you're not having these high action scenes every two seconds, you are drawn in to the story, um, into the lives of these characters. So if you have not read it, and if you're looking for a little bit of a different take on the apocalypse, where the people that you follow are not all kind of, you know, the same, like privileged white people, I highly recommend this. It is the Off the Grid trilogy. It begins with Radio Silence by Alyssa Cole. Oh, this has been on my radar for like, 700 years. I don't know why I haven't picked it up yet. I think, um, I think for a long time it wasn't in audio and I prefer to do my reading in audio. It's true. Um, and then I, I got busy with other, other books, other things, and I haven't picked it up, but I, I swear I started noticing it. Well, right when, um, right when I discovered Alyssa Cole. So whenever an extraordinary union came out, that's when I found these books. So I am going to kind of change it up a little bit. My road trips in my books are pretty literal. Um, I took it kind of literally. <laughs> so the next book I'm going to talk about is called The Summer Seekers by Sarah Morgan. And this book is about Kathleen. 
Kathleen is 80 years old. She's very sassy. She's exceedingly independent, much to her daughter Liza's dismay. (laughs) And at the beginning of the book, Kathleen faces down and ultimately defeats an intruder into her home in the middle of the night. Well, this gets Liza all in a tizzy. It just proves to Liza, her daughter, that she, that Kathleen, should not be living on her own in this big rambling old house. That Kathleen should be in some sort of like care home and not living on her own. And Kathleen is like, I might be aging, but I am not dead. And I still value my independence and I am not going off on my own. And the thing about Kathleen and Liza, um, Kathleen had Liza later in life. Um, Kathleen was a very adventurous young person who uh, did a travel series um, on television way back like in the what 60s and 70s. And it was called The Summer Seekers. And she would go to these very exotic places and do these like travel series about you know, traveling in all these different exciting locales around the world. And she had Liza and never stopped traveling. So Liza only got her mother in small bits and pieces because they all knew that Kathleen's heart was always somewhere else, always traveling to different places. Well, now Kathleen isn't traveling anymore. She's 80. She's living in this house. And she just feels like, oh, my God, I need another final big hurrah. I need a summer adventure. I'm not going into a damn home. And so after kind of having this very contentious discussion with her daughter, Liza, they put out an advertisement for a driver because Kathleen has decided she is going to drive. Well, they live in England. I forgot to say that, but she's going to go to the U S and drive route 66, the route that people in the thirties would have taken down this iconic, iconic highway. Now we meet Martha. Martha's 25. She lives with her overbearing family, unkind family who uh, constantly belittles her. She has this ex-boyfriend that's causing her grief and she just wants to get the hell out. And so she answers this ad to be a driver in the U.S. for this woman, despite the fact that she's actually pretty terrified of driving and really hasn't done any traveling and is sort of ill-equipped to be um, like a driver and companion to a very confident Kathleen throughout the U.S. So throughout the course of the summer, Kathleen and Liza and Martha all go on these journeys of self-discovery and they learn more about themselves and each other. There's some matchmaking and romance that happens along the way. And ultimately, the three of them come through this stronger and more in sync with each other. And there's a lot of great descriptions of different places down Route 66. And, you know, it was just a really lovely, lovely book that I needed at the moment that I read it. It just was one of those um, sort of book hugs that kind of fed my soul at a moment when I needed it. And it's just a really lovely book. So again, this is The Summer Seekers by Sarah Morgan. Okay, I need this. You need it. It's not- I do. Well, my second book is quite literal. It's called The Road Trip by Ah, Beth O'Leary. And this is my favorite kind of road trip novel. So this book, it has like all the feels, all the feels, sisters, weddings, a road trip, snacks. So Addie and her sister are about to go on a road trip to a wedding, Um, one of their good friends' weddings. And she's getting married in the north of Scotland. Can you imagine like how beautiful that would be? I'm not even a winter wedding person, but I feel like even I might get married in the north of Scotland. And you know, they've got everything planned. They've got everything packed, the music, the playlist, you know, sister's just going to go have a good time. But after they set off, not very long after a car rear ends them. And how terrible is that? But even worse, because this would be my worst nightmare. The the driver is none other than Addie's ex-boyfriend, Dylan, who she's 
been avoiding for the last two years since their very traumatic breakup that we don't know uh, the reason of unless we read the book. So it gets even, um, how do you say it? The plot thickens even further because it turns out that Dylan and his best mate are going to the same wedding. And when they hit Addie and her sister's car, they totaled their car. So they have no choice but to offer them a ride. Oh. Because, you know, it's it's the good Samaritan thing to do in real life to offer a ride to the person who just rear-ended me. Uh, not in my world, but all right. Yeah, not that these nice, people are nicer than me, I guess. Yeah, we read too many thrillers. <laughs> like, no, what if you're a murderer? Like, no, what if he, he, he rear-ended me so that he could put me in the trunk? <laughs> I guess that's less likely if he's like your ex, unless he has uh, I don't really know. dark secrets. I don't know. I don't know. Exes are it exes could be a problem. You never know what they're you never know what they're capable of once they don't love you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So there's 300 miles between where they are now and the wedding. And they have a car jam-packed with luggage and secrets. It's and Dylan and Addie are so in such close proximity, they can't avoid confronting their very traumatic history and their relationship. So now the question is, are they gonna make it to the wedding on time? But more importantly, is this really I love this the end of the road for Addie and Dylan? To find no. out, no, you must read. <laughs> The Road Trip by Beth O'Leary. I really, really, really enjoyed this book. I enjoy books um, like this. This is this is my catnip, absolutely. <laughs> so depending upon how this is done, I feel like it might be too like too much angst for me. I don't know. I, I started it. I I love some of that. I started it. Um, I was expecting the flat share and this is not the flat share. So, um, oh, no, not at all. No, it's the road trip. It's the well, road I'm- trip. <laughs> so my next book is also a sister's book. Yay. And it's a sister's book written by sisters. Oh, so that's awesome. This is one of the good ones by Micah Mulit and Maritza Mulit. And this was one of my very first reads of 2021. This came out on January 5th and I read it within a couple days of its release and I love it so much. So Micah and Maritza Malit are sisters who wrote um, Dear Haiti, Love Elaine, either in late 2019 or in early 2020. I can't remember exactly when that one came out, but that is one that I have not read yet. But after reading this one, I did put their debut um, on my list of things that I one day hope to read. But this is the story of a teenage girl named Happy. And Happy is sort of not very happy when this book starts because the book opens and she is at the funeral of her older sister, Kezi. And Kezi was killed in a protest against police brutality. And as a result, she has become sort of the poster child for what people term one of the good black people. And I'm saying this in like air quotes. that, you know, she is the kind of person that we should feel badly for. She is, she's intelligent, she's pretty, she's kind, she has like really good instincts about people and the world. And people just decide that Kezi was this sort of angelic being. And this is really hard for Happy because in Happy's mind, Kezi was just her older sister. And sometimes, you know, they didn't get along. And she and her family are feeling like they can't really process their own grief about losing Kezi when so much of the world is is watching them and is strangely participating in their grieving process. Eventually, Happy and her sister that you don't really know a ton about until later in the book decide that they are going to go on a road trip and they are going to visit 
all of the places that Kezi sort of has written down as places that she would like to see. Because what we learn about Kezi is that she wants to make a documentary film about a part of Black history that dealt with sundown towns, which are towns that you could be in safely as a Black person as long as the sun was up. But once it got dark, you better get out or very, very bad things would happen to you. So Happy decides that they're going to kind of drive this this trail of, of towns and they're going to kind of make this, this film that Kezi was wanting to make and that this is kind of their way of honoring her life, um, who she was as a person, but also paying tribute to sort of the, the social justice aspect of, of who Kezi was. Um, there are a lot of twists and turns here. The things that I'm saying make this book sound incredibly straightforward. And what I can tell you is that it is not. Um, things happened here that I 100% did not expect. And for some people, depending on your thoughts about certain things, you, you may not enjoy some of these twists, but I really, really love them. I loved watching happy kind of struggle with her grief and her feelings about kind of the way the world at large has taken ownership of her sister and the ways in which that's just not okay to do that we we need to be aware of the personal impact of these very public losses um there is a lot of racist language here so definitely be aware of that um, because we are definitely, you know, delving into some pretty deep parts of, of the Black experience. And the Mulit sisters don't really pull any punches as they're, you know, laying this all out for their readers. This is a young adult book that is dark and gritty and so incredibly beautiful, both because of what it teaches about coming to terms with loss, but also because it really takes a good look at, at sisterhood and kind of the, the good things and the messy things that go into that. So this is one of the good ones by Micah Mulit and Maritza Mulit. If you haven't read it, I highly, highly recommend this. It is a standout book for me of 2021. I am going to return to the apocalypse. So sometimes you just want to read a good post-apocalyptic book where people want to haul ass away from the zombies, where there's no safe place, where everything yes. just sort of crumbles, the entire infrastructure, everything about the world crumbles and you have to figure out if you are still alive, how to survive the fallout. And so tonight I'm going to talk with you about Prepared, Sundown Book One by Courtney Constantine. This book Ooh. focuses on Alex Duncan. She is a wife and mother. She lives in um, Las Vegas with her two young children and her husband. Um, her father lives in Montana and is a doomsday prepper and lived in Montana. He's passed away. And Alex grew up on the family compound with her father and her younger siblings, Max, who is actually a girl, Maxine, and Rafe, their brother. And they didn't have um, a maternal influence in their lives. And their father's entire focus was on preparing them for the end of the world. Wow. So Ooh. obviously, Alex has um, sort of tempered some of her father's um sort of paranoia quirks. and quirks. <laughs> That's yeah. Good. Yeah. But she still has this overwhelming need to prep, to collect, to have bug out bags for her family, to have cases of water, you know, shelf stable, um, like goods that could be taken in event of an emergency. And her husband really loves her. So he basically just kind of goes along with it. Well, one morning, Alex wakes up and her husband had come back from a business trip late. So I had slept downstairs and Alex wakes up because someone's screaming downstairs. And when she reaches the bottom of the stairs, she sees that her husband is eating the babysitter. And of course, 
this completely throws her into like a WTF moment. And that's how she really learns that, OMG, my father was right. The end of the world is upon us. The dead have risen. They are feasting on the living. There is a plague. And I have to get my family to the compound in Montana for their safety. So Alex sets out with her two young children, ages seven and five. She um, basically takes um, a neighbor's RV. He um, had passed away um, violently. So he left his very well-equipped RV. She fills it with all the supplies she's been prepping because there is one commonality in these post-apocalyptic books. And that is that a lot of these people are related to preppers. And so already have this sort of advanced knowledge of how to sort of survive the end of the world. You know, she's very, very advanced with um, firearms and hand-to-hand combat because of, and hunting and living off the land, all of this because of her father. So good for her. I'd be the first to go. I'm blind <laughs> and I don't prep. So I would have like gone on day one. But anyway, she loads her children into this RV and they begin trying their best to drive from Las Vegas to Montana, where they are going to meet up with her siblings and where she can protect her family. Along the way, they have to do battle with the undead, with those who want to take from them. And, you know, they collect some other survivors along the way. There's a lot of gore and there's a lot of violence on this road trip across the country to get to Montana. And I will say there is a a bit of a content warning. There is some attempted sexual assault that does happen at one point. Um, This book is violent. It's gritty. In a lot of ways, it is um, one of my favorite types of nonstop action, post-apocalyptic zombie reads that I need every once in a while when I need a good comfort read. So explain that to me. I will also warn you, um, if you're a word nerd like me and you pick up on things, um, the writing, the book is a lot of fun. Okay. I I enjoyed it. I read the first three in the, in the series. Um, but the writing can be incredibly repetitive. Um, and if, if you're easily drawn out of a story, I just kind of want to give you that sort of like to bear in mind that, that the repetitive writing and, repetitive actions of the characters can be, um, it can kind of take you a little out of the story, but it's, it's a fun enough read um, that you probably won't care. And the question is, will Alex be able to get her children to Montana in the RV or will they end up being zombie snacks on the side of the road? This book is prepared Sundown book one by Courtney Constantine and the fifth book just came out uh, somewhat recently. I don't remember the name, but um, so it's a, it's an ongoing series and it's, it's a nice length. um, And I think all of them now are available um, in audio. If that is how you read. It's true. I have thought for the longest time that that series actually ended with the fourth book. Like I thought that it was a complete series after before and so when I saw book five, I was like, oh, so now I have five of them to read because I have not begun this particular road trip yet. I don't know. I really like the author I'm going to talk about right now. <laughs> and what author is that? Kyla Stone, post-apocalyptic. Oh, I love him. See, I struggle when there aren't zombies and I don't know why. I know, I do too. (laughs) My next book is called Point of Impact, Nuclear Dawn, book one by Kyla Stone. Now, disclaimer, this is one of the few books I've read that supposedly takes place in Miami that doesn't piss me off. Um, It seems like this lady who um, writes um, books about Miami actually knows the name of the cities and the streets and the hospitals. So I thought that was cool. Imagine that. So, Yeah, imagine that. (laughs) So these books are about Dakota Sloan, who's a really tough foster kid who's spent her life running from her very mysterious past. And um, she does have a family. Her younger sister, uh, um, who is still in foster care, 
And meanwhile, Dakota is, when the book starts, Dakota is, uh, I guess, waitressing at a bar. And she's doing everything she can because she wants to fight her sister's foster parents for guardianship of her sister. And what happens is that she's watching the news and the news shows a bomb striking all the major cities in the United States of America, including where she is. So her first thought is to grab her sister and obviously get the hell out. That's what you think. You think of your family. Um, But that's not going to be as easy as it seems. And basically, after all of the doom and destruction of the bombs, um, she has to embark on a trip a few miles away to her sister's foster parents house so that she can get her because she has not been able to contact her via phone because the satellites are down everything is down and she doesn't even know if her sister's alive but she's not willing to leave miami without her sister and one of the people that she gets together with for this trip is logan garcia who's haunted by secrets and his life plan when the story begins is just to drink him his life away but uh, when the shockwave hits shattering the world that he once knew, well, he's going to have to leave the alcohol if he wants to survive. Yeah, and, I think there's no room for being drunk in the apocalypse. No, right. I don't either. And so Dakota offers Logan a deal because she sees that he seems to have a lot of experience surviving um, because she knows where to go. to be. Uh, she knows a safe place to go. And she promises him that if he helps her get her sister, she will take him there with her. So this is just a book about humanity, really. The terrible things that humans do to each other. They do go on a road trip um, to rescue her sister. And of course, it takes forever because nothing works. And along the way, they meet great people and terrible people. And the world is just a disaster. There's a cult. I know Shannon loves cult. Yes, I do. So I want to mention for cult lovers that there is a very awesomely twisted cult. That's why I want Brooke uh, to read these. And there's also someone hunting Dakota from her past. And we don't know who this is. Um, so this book, when I started reading it, I couldn't stop. I read like all six of them in a row. Um, is it five or is it six of them? I read all of them in a row as I do six. with Kyla Stone. And I, I just love her books. I mean, I read her Edge of books and these are just completely different, completely different reason for the apocalypse, completely different characters. It's just so amazing how she, how this woman writes, man. So this is Point of Impact, Nuclear Dawn, book one by Kyla Stone. So my last book was actually one of my most anticipated releases of June. And I'm always a little nervous when I recommend a book by a new author, like, you know, a debut or just an author that I've never read before, because I always wonder, like, what if this looks really good and then you read it and it turns out to be terrible? (laughs) And, you know, it happens. Yes, it does. However, it did not happen in this case. So I am going to tell you about Trouble Girls by Julia Lynn Rubin. And what I will say to kind of get you started is to think of Thelma and Louise. Oh. But like, what if they were gay? And what if they were teenagers? So, (laughs) So we have Trixie. And Trixie is living a life that she's not really nuts about. Her mom is terminally ill, has begun to suffer from early onset dementia. And basically all of Trixie's life, like all of her time, all of her energy is given over to either working to support herself and her mother or to actually providing care for her mother. So Trixie is just not your typical, like, you know, 17 year old girl. She really wants something different for herself, but she knows that because of her mom's condition, you know, she has to to stick around at least for a while. 
But she decides that there'd be nothing wrong with taking a weekend away for herself. And so she asks a friend of hers to kind of pop in and out, like look after her mother. And Trixie decides that she is going to go on a weekend getaway with her best friend and this girl that she's had a secret crush on for quite a while. And her name is Lux. And the two of them just, you know, they're going to go camping in the woods. Um, They're not bringing a lot of stuff. It's just going to be a nice, chill, relaxing weekend. It can kind of serve as a way to bring Trixie's stress down a little bit. They can spend time together. You know, it'll be fine. But of course, it is not fine because Lux has a different idea. What if instead of going camping, or maybe they'll still go camping, but before they do, How about if they drive into this like nearby town and they go into a bar with like fake IDs? Like, how would that be? Trixie doesn't really want to do this, but Lux does. And so, of course, she gives in and they run into trouble. Very, very bad, bad things happen. And someone ends up dead. And now Trixie and Lux are on the run. But these people know nothing, and hear me when I say nothing, about being on the run, right? Like this, I talked about in my first book that like people are just kind of taking it like minute by minute and making plans as they go. Sometimes I think that Trixie and Lux like don't even make plans. They're just kind of like driving aimlessly. They're not really sure what they're doing. They're ebbing, ebbing and flowing. They are. They don't know how to survive. Um, They're not even really sure of like the best ways to evade the police. They're pretty sure that the police will be on their tail sometime soon, but they don't know when, and they're not really sure what to do about it. And so as time passes and things get more and more desperate for these two girls, their decisions, as you might guess, um, become less and less sensible. And they have this dream that they're going to eventually end up in California, but mm, California is really far away and a lot of things have to happen before they can get there. And is that really the best thing? Because if they stay in California, like they go there and disappear, like Trixie has to leave her mother behind. And is that something that she really wants to do? Um, you know, can she forgive herself if she does this? This is kind of a romp in terms of like the fact that these people do not make good decisions. And so all sorts of chaos ensues. But it also looks at what happens when the world at large does not believe the stories that women tell. And so if you claim that something happens in self-defense, but the world doesn't believe you, it doesn't really matter how true your claim of self-defense is. So this is kind of a a deep, like moral examination of how we view women, but it's wrapped up in this really delightful, kind of creepy story of Trixie and Lux as they're trying to figure out how to survive this situation that they've gotten themselves into. This is Trouble Girls by Julia Lynn Rubin. I loved it so much. And it's a book that I'm really glad I recommended um, for June releases. And I'm equally glad to recommend it here. I'm picturing a Thelma and Louise ending. Uh, No, not so much. Okay, good. So I struggled with what my final book was going to be tonight. Um, I, I like rom-coms. There was a Pippa Grant that could have fit the bill. Um, There was a Ruthie Knox about people that cycle, um, do this cycling ride together across the country that I still really want to read. Oh, I looked at that. And I didn't read it, but I looked at it. I didn't either. I looked at it as well. Um, but ultimately I decided that, you know, again, Shannon said she wasn't sure at the beginning of this podcast, she wasn't sure if tortured heroes went on road trips. Well, 
in Texas Destiny, the Texas Trilogy Book One by Lorraine Heath, a tortured hero does, in fact, take a road trip with his brother's intended bride. Oh. This book is about Amelia. Um, and I'm going to start out by saying this book was written in the 90s and sort of has some of the conventions and formula of the time. Um, I'm going to say that even though it's not a new title, it is new to me in that I typically read audiobooks and it did not, it was not released in audio until I believe it was 2018, like the fall of 2018. Yeah, because the and, podcast was like just yes, starting. Yes, and these it was were just coming starting. out. Yeah. And I was I've been waiting for years because you know it's on lists like if you like books like Beauty and the Beast, if you like oh. books with some Phantom of the Opera themes, you will like this book. And so I've and been it's like that I, whole historical western historical theme. Historical western theme. Yes. Oh. But just so you know, it does have some of the sort of the tone and conventions of a 1990s historical romance. Because that's what it is. Because <laughs> that's exactly what it is. So in this book, we have Amelia. And Amelia has um, fallen on some pretty significantly challenging times since the end of the Civil War. Um, and so she has gotten to a point in life where she decides to advertise as um, a mail-order bride to get out of her her, her life circumstances. And so she has been writing to Dallas Lee in Texas for over a year. And he pays for her journey to Fort Worth where he will meet her train and they will travel together the three weeks it will take to get from Fort Worth to his ranch in West Texas. They will travel this distance by wagon. By wagon. Three weeks of bumpy wagon against your ass. I can't even imagine. Because I used to live near Fort Worth and I know where West Texas, like, you know, kind of where that is. <laughs> so I'm thinking about like. <laughs> I want to say it's like 400 miles, but I, I, I don't know. Maybe it was three. I can't remember. It's, it's about that far, like yeah. three, 400 miles. But I just, I picture like you could drive it, you know, be there. In, in a like couple a hours, hours, right? Yeah. <laughs> so Amelia alights from the train feeling very anxious and excited about the next chapter of her life. But the man who's waiting for her at the Fort Worth train station is not in fact Dallas Lee, who is at home with a broken leg Whoops. when he tried to train a Mustang that was not interested in being <laughs> trained. So instead Dallas sends his younger brother, Houston, and Houston, Houston is a very damaged, broken soul. Um, he was significantly injured during the Civil War. Um, he lost his left eye. He has to wear an eye patch. He has an incredibly scarred face. He's shy. He's a loner. He just wants to train horses and live on his little piece of land in peace and solitude. But yet, he and his brother have some very complicated family dynamics. And so he goes to pick up his brother's mail order bride, despite the fact that he knows that the sight of his face is going to be very upsetting to the mail order bride. Well, Amelia's made of um, sterner stuff and she and Houston sort of develop this um, sort of rocky sort of slow developing relationship as they travel through Texas together in this wagon, sleeping under the stars, long days together. And of course, walls begin to fall and the two of them eventually, eventually sort of fall in love. But the problem with that is at the end of this trek across Texas is Dallas. <laughs> and he's expecting a woman to marry to sort of cement his ranching empire. And he thinks that once he has a wife, more women will follow. And so this book is, you know, it's very lovely. There's lots of, you know, traveling through dusty terrain and, you know, sitting by campfires and 
sleeping in sort of inadequate tents. And there's a lot of yearning and um, issues of self-worth and sort of entangled, uncomfortable family dynamics among the brothers. And this book was and is a special book. And if you like um, historical Western romance, if you like books with scarred and tortured heroes, if you like books that include um, traveling across the country in a wagon in the 1870s, if you like heroines that sort of have a sapalicious um, sort of um, resemblance to Pollyanna, you oh. will like, actually you will love Texas, Texas Destiny, the Texas Trilogy, book one by Lorraine Heath. I love Lorraine Heath. I know, I do too. I'm way behind in all of her books, but yeah, I, I just, too. I read every single thing she wrote for probably 10 years. And then I sort of had a complicated relationship with historicals for a while. So I'm, I'm, I'm very behind, but she is one of my go-to authors. So my last book of the night is The Storyteller's Secret by Sejal Vidani. I hope I'm pronouncing the name right. If I'm not, I'm so sorry. And this book is about Jaya. And Jaya has just been through her third miscarriage. Um, her marriage is basically falling apart. Not only that, but her husband decides to leave her for her friend. Oh, In the middle of all that heartache, I know. Total, like, douche canoe. And um, she's just feeling anguish all over the place. And then she goes to her parents' house as a refuge. And she finds a letter from her grandfather that she has never met, begging her mother to come back home. And her mother has no interest in going back, no interest in seeing him. And Jaya doesn't even know why, her mo- doesn't even know about her mother's life or past. So she decides to pack everything up and go to india by herself doesn't know the language um doesn't you know know anything about anything and she just like leaves um and you know she loves everything that she experiences there she becomes a she loves learning about the culture everything and when she gets back to the address that the only address that she knows of from the letter she finds her grandmother's trusted confidant who reveals um, her grandmother's story, which will give her more explanations as to why her mother is emotionally distant and why she has no interest in meeting or seeing her father. And also there's a twist. By the time she gets to India, her grandfather's already dead. So he can't give her any explanations. Yep. So in this um, adventure or or trip that she partakes she spent like i think six months in india she learns about the legacy of her family the story of her family and maybe can start healing for her future in a way that she never knew was possible and also contributing and this is kind of a dual timeline we get the story of the grandmother told in first person and it's just it's it's such a interesting and remarkable book about i guess um, self-discovery and finding out your family history. I mean, I know all my family history, I think. I can't imagine growing up and not having all these mysteries in my life and then finding them out. But um, this is The Storyteller's Secret by Sejal Vidani. And I really enjoyed this book, surprisingly. I started it and I didn't know what it was about. I just saw the title. And after that, I just continued. This was one of your like it early. Was. It was a September picks. pick, like my, our very first picks episode that we did, Whoa. like back in 2018. And I wasn't around. Welcome then. back. No, I no, know. You and you hadn't uh, come I'm, to us yet. I'm really happy no. that you read it because it's been on my TBR. It's been on my wish list. Okay, so this concludes our second road trip episode you can always go back through the 2020 archives and look for the first road trip episode if you haven't already heard it i will do my best to remember to put a link in the show notes but if i don't um you can search for it i I will try really hard to make sure there's a link 
Awesome. Thank you so much to Stacy and Natalia for coming up with some fantastic road trip books tonight of all different kinds. Thanks goes out as always to the one and only Christine who does such remarkable editing for this show. And we thank each and every one of you who joins us as we talk about all the books we love on a variety of topics. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.